What's up, everyone? It's Trevor, uh, host of The Formula here. Really pumped to drop the second part of a three-part series with documentary filmmaker and advocate against sex trafficking, Vanessa McNeil. Part one, you can find the show notes. That's Vanessa's uh, origin story, where she came from and how she became uh, the person that she is today. Uh, part two is going to be her inspiration behind Grid Shock and some advice for how you can get involved in your community to help fight sex trafficking today. So I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because I really want to uh, really want to get to this uh, interview with Vanessa. Uh, but first, let's hear from our sponsors real quick, and then we will get the show started. <laughs> The Formula Podcast wouldn't be possible without some uh, some pretty awesome sponsors that are willing to, to support the show. So the first sponsor has been with us for quite some time. That's Lady Boss. They provide women's workouts and health supplements to help women live healthier lives. Now, if you're interested in checking out any of their workouts or their supplements, go ahead and head to theformulapodcast.com and check out our sponsored products page. Now, our second sponsor just got started with us here recently. That's Liquid Web. Now, if you've listened to any of our episodes with like Adrian or Ketsu or anybody that's doing any type of drop shipping or e-commerce, Liquid Web has some e-commerce solutions to help you get a store up and running ASAP. And they were uh, willing to actually give 33% off to people who listen to the Formula Podcast. So when you go to liquidweb.com and check out their products, make sure and type in Formula 33 when you check out to get 33% off. Big thanks to them for for hooking us up and uh, keeping this show rolling. That's all from our sponsors. Now, let's do this thing. Let's talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. Grid Shock. Where did your inspiration from that come? So I was in grad school when I learned about sex trafficking. I had someone come to our class and talk to us about it briefly. And I was just shocked because like most people in Iowa, I had no idea that it was happening here. But the more I dug and the more I was able to work with survivors and hear their stories, I wasn't only shocked by the like violent nature of it. um, I was more shocked by the fact that people just don't know about it. And if they think that they have an idea, a lot of the times people are wrong. Mm-hmm. So I knew after talking with those survivors, um, the average life expectancy of a survivor once they enter the life is only seven years. And I knew from the moment I met those women that I had to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So it really started from there and grew really big. Yeah. So you you had this, you know, you, you found out about through grad school, you had this idea to make the documentary. What was the process of making it like? What did you... I mean, I'm, I'm sure you learned a lot of stuff that you were Tons. surprised. Yeah, I'm sure you were like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this is actually, like, real, right? Yeah. So do you want to share some of that stuff? Yeah, totally. Lots of research, lots of networking, just really finding people that were working on the ground mm-hmm. in this area on the issue and really um, advising me because I really didn't know a lot when I first started. Yeah. Um, and then meeting more people that were willing to talk in the film and um, and essentially deciding to do that 90-day all-or-nothing campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then going from there. Mm-hmm. What do you think the most surprising part was? The most surprising part is that there are a lot of men, typically it's men that are buyers, mm-hmm. that there's a lot of men willing to pay a lot of money to have sex with people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of men willing to pay a lot of money to have sex with kids. 
and um, they're people that walk among us every day. They're doctors, lawyers, bankers, um, school teachers, family men, military men. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's. I don't know. I I imagine everyone that hears that is just like absolutely just disgusted. But it also makes me think there's probably people that we all know that are exactly partaking in this. And so we have that knowledge now. We know that this is a problem. How big of a problem is it in Iowa? So I don't like to use statistics because um, it's so hard to quantify yeah. an issue of this magnitude. And it's so um, underground mm -hmm. that how could you even find the right numbers yeah. for that? And that's a mistake I made in the beginning. I started off like here in Iowa, we have, you know, there's different, you'll see different numbers, but how could you substantiate something like that? I would do it no justice. Mm -hmm. And if I'm saying something, it would be way le way more than what um, is the reality. Um, but it's a major problem. It's happening in every single community in Iowa, mm -hmm. um, just like it's happening in every community around the world. Yeah. So now that we, you know, we know it's a huge problem. And I, I mean, even, like, I don't know. Just, even if it was one person. Yeah, it's just like, so we know that it's a problem. We know that it's taking place with people that we've probably met or know. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Like, what do we do to, to help? I think the biggest thing that we have to do is establish understanding on what the problem actually is. So a lot of people think that sex trafficking is kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Someone thinks that you're like kidnapped from your house and you're taken away and you're locked in a basement in shackles. Yeah. That's typically not the case. Most people know the person trafficking them. Yeah. Um, most people um, in Iowa, we have what is called place-based trafficking where you have people, let's say a 12-year-old, living and existing in our community, but they're being trafficked. So they go to school and <clears throat> they come home and maybe mom or dad or uncle or neighbor or soccer coach is trafficking them and then they're returned back home. Mm -hmm. So like you're not suspecting it um, and it's happening within the community. That happens so often, but people think, oh, you know, you had to be kidnapped because too many people have watched Taken, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, oh, you know, you have to be grabbed when we should know by now that most sexual violence, sexual abuse happens in the context of relationships. It's usually by people that we know. And yeah. it's the same with trafficking. Yeah. So we know that to be the case. We have, we, so we have, we have the understanding now. Not, well, I mean, now we know. <laughs> now we know that that's the case. Okay, now what? I think the second biggest thing to do is just always be vigilant. I think that we have this veil over our eyes and our lives mm -hmm. where we're not paying attention to what happens. I mean, this is so underground that most of the time it's not something that you're going to see happen in community. Um, but just like paying attention, like if you're out and about and you see two people or several people that don't look like they belong, in the same group together, question that. Yeah. Like if you have a child that's missing school, um, if they're always being taken out of school Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two o'clock, yeah. well, where are they going? Who's picking them up? Mm -hmm. Like if there's change in um, anyone's behavior, whether it's a child and an adult, um, question that. Yeah. There's just so much questioning that we need to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
in order to like hear about this stuff. Yeah. I think it's also, and paying attention as well to what's going on. Like change in behavior is probably huge. So big. Yeah. I don't have much experience or any experience in the field at all. So I'm speaking from, from no experience. Um, But I imagine that if something happens or something wasn't happening before, there's probably a significant behavioral change, especially in the Totally. And it's something where most people aren't going to be banging on doors to get help. Yeah. Because what trafficking is, is exploiting vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And they build like a trusting relationship with that person um, or a fear-based relationship with that person. So they know the consequences. They know what will happen if they tell, so they don't. Okay. So also be aware of that. I think that we have this facade reality about like, oh, you know, if there was a problem, they would let me know. It's usually not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about the minor problems I have. I'm not going calling anyone be like, hey, can you help me out? It's more like you just like you just kind of try to deal with it on your own first. Um, So we okay. So let's say that someone's in that situation where they become aware that there's a change in behavior Mm -hmm. or something, something setting off some red flags. What do they do from there? I'll give you a really good example. So I was traveling a couple of months ago and I noticed a girl, she was probably 16, Mm -hmm. um, going through the airport and she was with a man who walked her up to security and watched her go through security, Mm -hmm. which may not seem that unusual, except I noticed that the relationship felt very forced. Mm -hmm. You could tell that she didn't want to be around him. Mm -hmm. So she ended up being on my plane. Yeah. And she was sitting in first class by herself or what appeared to be by herself. And she was crying and she was really upset. And I remember making eye contact with her and it, she looked at me like she needed help. Yeah. So I remember looking at her seat number and I, I, my seat was in the back of the plane and I pulled the flight attendant aside and I said, um, let's go in the back and talk. I have training in trafficking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is trafficking, but here's some of the warning signs. Like she's old enough to walk through security by herself. Mm-hmm. Why did that man make sure that she got through? Yeah. Why is she upset? You have to kind of figure out who, who that person was, where she's going, why, who's picking her up. And I said, do not go up to her and ask her if she's okay. Because that not only puts you in danger, but that puts her in danger because you don't know who's sitting around her. Yeah. You don't know if the her trafficker is sitting behind her pretending that he doesn't know her. Um, So I said, get her off the plane, get her to a safe place and ask her these questions. What did she do? She walked right up to her and said, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? And of course she said, yes, everything's okay. And she came back and she said something like, you know, I can't haggle her. We have rules on the plane about haggling people. And I said, well, if this was a like if this was a bomb or if I said that that was a terrorist, you would really take her safety seriously so TSA ended up coming on. <clears throat> they said that that was her dad that dropped her off and her mom was going to be picking her up mm-hmm. at her um, arrival. Yeah. We don't know that to be true. Yeah. That could be the trafficker and uh, another person associated picking her back up as she's traveling. So in that example, you contact the authorities. You hope and trust that they are able to do what they're supposed to do. And outside of that, I wasn't able to do anything else because I wasn't going to have that conversation with her because it wasn't safe for me nor her. Um, So I think that, um, you know, there's a 1-800 number that people can call, the hotline number. Um, If if it's a situation that's in front of you, call 911 and just Mm -hmm. 
give them the facts and say, here's what I think I saw or, you know, what I did see yeah. and, and hope for the best. That's really all that we can do. Yeah. Report it. So I have, I've kind of, this is a bit more of a, a difficult question because I think about this a lot and that's, and it's, you know, so we know that these things takes place and there's people out there that perpetrate these types of acts or perform them or facilitate the trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, so how far do we go to, you know, how far do we go to protect ourselves and our loved ones without kind of, you know, putting everyone in a bubble? You know what I mean? It's a good question. I, I think I think about that a lot um, as I travel um, and I, I see different cultures and how they act. So because I, I agree that people need to be protected, but I'm also like, at what cost do we have to protect it? At what cost are we protecting everyone? So... In relation to the story that I told, I would rather make the big fuss that I made for her safety than not know because I could have potentially saved her life. But I think, you know, generally you just have to educate people that like the people that are going to hurt you are not like the scary old man in the van, the white van or behind the bushes. It's people that you know. Yeah. And that sounds really scary and that sounds far out there but if we just tell people that it's you know stay safe watch your drink um which you should anyways but it sends like a false message yeah so i think that there's a balance between let's not like live in a bubble and live in fear but also just be aware that most sexual violence occurs by someone you know yeah that's that's like the that's that's the scariest part to me because it's it's probably the hardest to find out about until yeah. it's already, you know, years down the road and they, right. you know, and you find out about it and you're just appalled because it happens right next door or, exactly. or at a relative's house or something. Um, exactly. Because I think what happens when you don't tell people, it's by people that you know. Mm-hmm. I spent my whole life thinking that I was the only person that experienced what I did. When in reality, that's what happens to most people. And if I would have been armed with that knowledge, I think that my healing would have turned out a little bit different. If someone sat me down as a kid and say, like, here's the difference between what is healthy and normal and good for you. And here's like what shouldn't be happening. I would have been able to tell or I would have been able to handle that experience a little bit differently. Yeah. Maybe that's your next project is getting that education into school so so people can be aware. And a lot of that's happening like already in the schools and things now, but it just takes a long time to have, you know, change happen. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that is like I could teach people all day long how to protect themselves, like give them knowledge and tools, but people will still perpetrate. Yeah. So, what do you what do you do to reduce the number of people that are, you know, the, well there's there's a few of the issues. I think you brought them up in your in your TED talk, um, mm-hmm. the Johns Yep. And then also like the family members that are, you know, trafficking or selling. Totally. How do you work on that problem? That's such, you know, that's a complex one because, you know, some people would say, well, if there's stricter like laws or penalties or consequences for them, that would deter behavior. But I don't know if yeah. that deters behavior criminally. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of mental health issues involved in um, a lot of this for people that, you know, whether they're addicted to um, porn or just addicted to children or whatever that may be, there's a lot of work 
and help that they need in order to um, control those behaviors or deter those behaviors. So that's just beyond me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap for this show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Trevor Carlson, and I appreciate you taking the time to stop by. And whether it's viewing our episodes or listening to our podcasts or reading our blog posts, all of you guys really, really help uh, help keep this show going. So I'm, I much appreciate, uh, appreciate your time and attention, and hopefully we've provided a little bit of value for you. Now, if you're interested and you think you might enjoy getting some blog posts, emails, other podcasts, uh, guides, any of that sort of thing sent to your inbox every week, go ahead and head over to theformulapodcast.com and sign up for our email list today. That's a wrap for this week's show. Thanks again, everyone, for stopping by, and I look forward to you tuning in next time.